Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started. Future Antonio, today. welcome to the program. Selling is all about, really, it's, we're not selling a product, you're not selling a service, you're not selling value, you're not selling whatever you think you're selling, a solution. You're selling change. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. And this is why we talk about being the trusted advisor. You should be able to help use that expert guidance and all the opinions that I'm sure that you have and help lead them towards not just a decision, but the right decision. Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. All right, folks, we got a throwback episode in store for you today. Heading back to August of 2019, Steffi Cole, shall I say Steffi Peterson, yes, now uh, married to the one and only Austin Peterson. Her appearance back on The Brian Nichols Show, yes, August of 2019, a great conversation from leftist to libertarian. So that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy our special throwback episode with Steffi Cole Peterson. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. It's it's been a, a fun um a fun journey watching you grow, Steffi, from your your starting into the liberty movement and I said, "You know what? Who better to tell their story than Steffi because uh, unlike Aww. other folks in the liberty movement, you joined the liberty movement starting from the left." And that for me was was so interesting because a lot of the folks that we have, um, you know, in the liberty movement, but also folks I've had on the Brian Nichols show, started their journey to liberty more on the right. Um, okay. and I I've had a few guests, Max Golker from AIER. Um, he he more was from the left. Um, but other than that, everybody else has pretty much been from the right. So to start out, I want my my audience to to first and foremost get to know who you are, and then we can kind of dig into uh, your journey to libertarianism. So Steffi, if you could introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols show audience. Sure. So I am Steffi Cole, and I'm actually not a liberty activist in my day-to-day -day life. Usually I'm a social worker, so I work a nine-to-five job full-time. But on nights and weekends, I do the liberty thing because it makes me happy and I'm passionate about it. So I first started discovering libertarianism around, I'd say, 2008-ish. 2009-ish, after I voted for Obama. <laughs> after Obama. Yes. That shows so how far you've come. <laughs> I wish I had learned before voting day, but you know, that's not how things work. 
And you may or may not know, but social workers tend to be a little bit more liberal minded in terms of, you know, social welfare, mm. giving to the poor. So that's pretty much where I was hanging at. I was more liberal minded. I wanted to help everybody. But then in 2009-ish, my boyfriend went to a business university and he started teaching me all about his economics classes, everything he was learning, the housing bubble. He would show me Milton Friedman videos, Alex Jones, Jesse Ventura, <laughs> you know, everything. We'd have debates. He'd try to explain things to me. I'd be like, this doesn't make sense. But then finally, it started making more sense to me. And I'm like, OK, I get it. So I agreed to go to a Tea Party rally in about 2010. And it's funny because I kind of kept my Liberty stuff on the DL. I like couldn't let like, you know, family and friends know it because then they would judge you. So it's kind of scary. But then <laughs> I increasingly became involved and I couldn't really hide it anymore. When I discovered Ron Paul, I went to some of his rallies in 2012 and that was probably the most energized I have ever felt in my life. It was like a rock concert on steroids. And then uh, after Ron Paul, I got into Gary Johnson and I supported him for a while in 2012 and then 2016. And then in 2016, I discovered Austin Peterson at the Libertarian Party debate with John Stossel. Classic. At the time, I was a Gary Johnson fan, but I noticed Austin Peterson because he seemed young and, and he seemed to really know what he was talking about. He was pro-life. So then Austin Peterson ended up coming to Hillsdale College, which is in Michigan, my home state. He came in November of 2016, right after Trump won. And he actually gave a speech about why Trump won the election. So I went there, and then after that, I joined this Freedom Ninja Army. Are you familiar with that? Oh, I'm I'm a I'm a longtime member. <laughs> okay, very good. Yeah, so I didn't even know it existed, but I'm glad I found it because everybody welcomed me with open arms. I ended up actually finding some local libertarians here in Michigan in that group, and they invited me to some local county Libertarian Party meeting. And then I ended up actually joining the Libertarian Party officially in 2017 until 2018. I only joined for a year. And then I didn't renew my membership after that. The reason was because I was actually the development director right after I joined. They kind of put me in that position, which was kind of cool. I made some t-shirts and redesigned their fundraising mug. But it just didn't feel like I could support anyone I wanted. Obviously, Austin Peterson was running as a Republican for U.S. Senate, you know, in, in 2018. And so the Libertarian Party members kind of judged me a little bit about that. So I wanted to fly free. So I left the Libertarian Party and now I'm independent, just like Justin Amash is. <laughs> and... After the Austin Peterson campaign, which I pretty much gave my blood, sweat, and tears to, I phone banked. I designed their campaign graphics. I was going to say, you were so busy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't even know how I had time for my normal job, plus that, plus sleeping. 
I pretty much was just wired for that entire year and a half. But uh, it was it was definitely a, a big blow to my heart, you know, when Austin lost. But I had to keep going, so I got involved with Justin Amash a little bit in the uh, fall of 2018. So at least I could still be involved. And and Justin, obviously, you know, he like you mentioned earlier, he just recently went from Republican to Independent, and a lot of mm-hmm. Libertarians and you know behind the scenes, I know some people over at LP National who you know they DM me, they said, so when you had Justin on your show, did he mm-hmm. after the fact say he was going to run as a Libertarian? I'm like, no, he he honestly didn't say anything. It seems kind of like Justin is is you know doing what he said he was going to do, and that's be truly an independent, nonpartisan, quite literally nonpartisan, with no party attached to his name, voice yeah. in Congress. And that's something that I think a lot of Americans have been looking for, is someone who is saying, you know, parties be damned, I'm going to stick to what I believe in my principles. And Justin is, I, I dare say, he's attracting a lot of people from the left who maybe like you were back in 2007, 2008, were traditional Democratic voters, and maybe opening their eyes to the concepts of liberty. So I guess what I wanted to first start off, Steffi, is to ask you kind of with your, your progression towards becoming a libertarian or just, you know, involved mm-hmm. in the liberty movement. Um, right. What was it that was kind of the, the main tipping point? Was it the, the economics? Was it the approach to, uh, you know, non-aggression? What was it that kind of, you know, was the real spark that got you, you know, more interested and really found yourself identifying with these libertarian ideals? I think it was actually fear because uh, Alex Jones and Jesse Ventura, they're more of conspiracy theorists. And so I would really feed into those conspiracy theories. I don't necessarily believe them all anymore, but at the time I was freaked out when I would hear about, you know, like 9-11 or, you know, fluoride in the water, which I still drink spring water till this day because it's still, <laughs> I still think about Alex Jones saying that there's fluoride in the water. And it turns the frogs gay. We all know that. Come on. <laughs> but I think it was honestly just that really deep, dark, big government swamp that just scared the living daylights out of me. And I'm like, is the government really this bad? Yes. And so it made me want to explore more and try to change things because I felt like we were we were doomed. The one thing I, I noticed from from people like, you know, the the Alex Joneses or or even the Jesse Ventures of the world is that they've built up their entire um following based on yes, this this idea of fear. Um, fear in the government taking away your your rights, fear in the government having these these vast conspiracies. But the reason that people like you know, Alex Jones, let's say, for example, is able to maintain such a loyal audience is because mm-hmm. the government itself, just in general, like remove conspiracy theories, they've done so much negative stuff, be it through the mass surveillance of, of U.S. citizens and, and warrantless collection of our records um, to, you know, the the way that they have, have treated um, international incidences where, you know, we, we've had, you know, for example, the Gulf of Tonkin example, where we basically were lied into a war. Um, there's enough things that the government has done that had been shown to be, you know, which were at the time conspiracies, but to be shown true that it's planted enough seeds of doubt in people's minds to say, well, maybe there's more that we don't realize that's going on behind the scenes. And people like Alex Jones are expounding upon that. And they're really, they're building careers on this this fear that exists that a government is going to be some tyrannical force. Um, so I don't think necessarily your fears 
were unfounded. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, when they started their journey towards the liberty movement, they may have started to look at people like an Alex Jones or a Jesse Ventura to kind of, you know, say, wow, this this government isn't my friend. Um, but mm-hmm. I guess what kind of was the point that you moved on from the, the Alex Joneses and more towards the the philosophy, the ideology and really embracing the, you know, the, the core principles of, of liberty? Mm hmm. So I believe that Ron Paul was interviewed on the Alex Jones show. And so that's where I first heard about him. And that kind of started more of the economic learning. I would learn about, like, he would say that, you know, our dollar, you know, is just going to collapse. And so then I started getting worried about that. And I started, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to invest in silver and gold. And then learning from Milton Friedman, for example, just learning more about economics. So I just continued my learning about about that. And then I just learned more libertarian principles. You know, what pretty much I learned what Ron Paul believed in. And that's where I started at. Well, it's funny because I don't, I don't think the Ron Paul entrance into libertarianism is unique <laughs> in any mm-hmm. respect, but it's fascinating right. because you came from the polar opposite of where many of the, you know, the folks that I, I know I myself included came from being on the right. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll give you my kind of, you know, entry level into to libertarianism. And it was back in, in 2008 when, uh, 2008 or 2007, when Ron Paul was on the, the debate stage, you know, just a few short years after 9-11 and standing up to the George Bush Republican Party and, and most notably Rudy Giuliani, you know, Mr. Mayor of New York City post 9-11 and, and basically saying, no, Rudy, it's it was our foreign policy and the blowback that really caused what we've seen take place here. And now we're involved in uh, these these un- unnecessary wars overseas, and it's going to cause more blowback in the future. And to see an alternative voice, now at the time, I was still quite in the neocon camp and the, the big Republican tent. Um, but for a brief moment, it kind of like struck me and I was like, huh, that's different. And nobody else in not only, you know, in greater Republican politics, but nobody else within my spheres of influence are really saying this, but that made sense. And I kind of, you know, put that in the back of my mind for the next four or five years. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was Mr. Mr. Republican college, uh, college Republicans president. And, you know, I went to CPAC. And then uh, after the 2012 election, when Romney lost, I was like, something isn't working. And it's something Mm -hmm. with regards to this establishment feeling of, of, you know, we're going to predetermine our candidate in, you know, in this case, it was Mitt Romney. And I said, you know, we, we need to go back to like some of these ideals that, you know, I, I was really excited about the Tea Party, which was limited government, um, you know, free markets and, and letting, you know, basically, essentially what I did, I didn't realize was libertarianism, not hurting people and not taking their stuff. Thank you, Mr. Matt <laughs> Kibbe. Um, but that was kind of like, you know, in, in my perspective, how I was able to rationalize like, okay, just because I was a Republican doesn't mean that I can't be a libertarian. So I became one of those small L Republican libertarians. And mm-hmm. I mean, that was really the the moment I realized that the, the Republican Party had left any semblance of small government that it had, had, especially after they rejected Rand Paul in favor of Donald Trump. Um mm-hmm. Now, I guess let's kind of go to that election because I know a lot of us, you know, prior to, to Austin uh, seeking the nomination for the Libertarian Party, 
a lot of people were in more of the Rand Paul camp. Um, so <laughs> oh, I was too. So yeah, you, yeah. absolutely. So what, I but, guess, what would you say was your, um, your reaction to watching Rand Paul basically in the first you know few months of the campaign really get steamrolled by what inevitably became president Donald Trump? Yeah. I mean, I was really hoping that Rand Paul would win. I know that people don't trust him as much as Ron Paul. He isn't his father, but I still obviously believed in him more than Trump. And honestly, when the general election came around, I was pretty much between Trump and Gary Johnson. I had some friends that were like, oh, I'm just going to vote for Trump because I don't want Clinton to win. You know, and, and I completely understood that, but I still wanted to vote on principle. So I felt Gary Johnson was the best thing I had, even though I had lost a lot of trust for him as well. It was just a yucky election. <laughs> to say <laughs> the least. Like this, next, this next election is going to be even yuckier. I mm -hmm. mean, I really don't know who I'm going to vote for. Although I heard that Gary Johnson might be running again as really? president. I heard that. I Oof, don't know. I hope not. I like Gary. I think Gary's a nice person, but... I mean, if 2016 taught the, the Libertarian Party anything, it should be that we can't nominate a squishy, you know, centrist. It has to be someone who is a, a, a true libertarian. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you have to be a real libertarian. That's not the argument I'm making. But I'm saying, you know, if you're going to have somebody be a libertarian on a national stage, they have to promote libertarianism. So when Gary, for example, said, you know, what does it mean to be a libertarian? Well, it means to be, what, what, you know, Gary Johnson, we say, well, it means to be, uh, fiscally conservative and socially liberal. It's like, no, Gary, that's not what it means to be a libertarian. But then he he said that to, uh, at the time, it was a 5 million person audience on CNN. And that was the perception that a lot of people took to be, you know, the truth as to what is being a libertarian. Now, this year, I mean, I just had last week on my show, Arvin Vora, and I've definitely oh, had wow. my issues. I, yeah, trust me, I've had my issues wow, with Arvin. that's huge. Well, and, and you know what? I, I kind of pushed Arvin a little bit, too, in some of the controversial stuff he's talked about in the past. And honestly, uh -huh. looking at the, the field of libertarian candidates, nobody's really, you know, tugging at my heartstrings that I'm excited to support. I mean, Kim Ruff, of all the people I'm gonna, uh, actually getting ready to have her on my show again, um, mm -hmm. she's the one who's kind of showing that, you know, libertarians could be taken seriously on a national stage. But I mean, Steph, t tell me what you think. Uh, you know, in an era of Trump, it's so hard to get any microphone time when you're competing against Donald Trump and, you know, inevitably the sacrificial lamb from the, the Democratic Party. So I'm telling you right now, if if they run a Joe Biden, um, they're, they're going to get destroyed because people are tired of, of the old, you know, the old establishment class. But conversely, if they run a rabid leftist, I also think they're going to get destroyed. If they run a, a, a Elizabeth Warren, like they'll, they'll get crushed. Um, so I guess kind of, you know, if you would give me your take on that. Sure. So, well, in my heart of hearts, I really wish that Larry Sharp would run as a libertarian. I would campaign for him. I would oh, vote man. for him hands down. He's, he's a beautiful person. But in terms of what we're working with right now, I truly feel that Trump has it in the bag. I really don't think there's any way of getting around that. He's probably just going to win again. I can't really see anyone else who could be more powerful than him in an election right now. Biden, eh. I mean, he has name recognition, but he doesn't seem to be overly popular with like the millennials. Bernie Sanders is with the millennials. But he scares but the bejesus I, out of everybody else. 
Yeah. So there's just no Democrat candidate that's strong enough to go against Trump right now. I really don't mm -hmm. think so. And as we see, we see the silencing going on even within the Democratic debates. I mean, Yang and uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, they've been silenced quite a bit. Oh, for sure. But I will say Tulsi, I mean, she... I, I, I saw this meme and it made me laugh so hard. It's like Tulsi can't be on stage and say she's anti-violence when I just clearly watched her absolutely murder Kamala Harris on stage. Yes. Yeah, I did. I did hear that that happened. I didn't watch the debates this past time, but I, I saw a little snippet clip oh, it of was, what happened. It was glorious because, I mean, essentially Kamala Harris has made her career as a, pr a career prosecutor uh, as the attorney general in California. And she, her record, I mean, she put away 1,500 uh, California residents into jail because mm -hmm. of marijuana use. And then yes. at the same point in time, she has laughed at, you know, her using marijuana herself, literally at the same exact time she's putting people into jail. And, <laughs> and I mean, God bless Tulsi. She called Kamala Harris out on that stage and she got thunderous applause. And you can just see, I mean, in, in a very a la Hillary Clinton approach, that sneering, just like uncomfortable approach and feeling that, that Kamala resonated back because she knew she got caught and she couldn't say anything about it because, you know, it was the truth. So what she do? She says, I'm proud of my record. Then Tulsi's like, you're proud of your record of putting 1500 people into jail? Like, you owe him an apology. It was glorious to see, but you're right. Like people like Tulsi or Andrew Yang, or even some of the more moderate voices like John Delaney out there, they're not getting airtime. And I, I can't help but feel that that's not unintentional. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we saw it, you know, with Ron Paul, we saw it with Rand Paul, you know, all the good people, they always silence them. I mean, Rand Paul was pulling, I think it was at like 10 or 15% at one point. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that was at the beginning of the, the primaries in 2015. And I think the first debate, he got a total of like three or four minutes talking time. Like that's, that's insane. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, you know, prior to, to that debate, Rand was actually one of the top tier candidates up there at the time with the likes of a, a you know, Jeb Bush or a Marco Rubio or even a, a, a Governor um, Walker over in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess um, let's kind of segue here, if we will, to more about um, converting people, right? Because that's kind of what my show is about. I want yes. to bring people to the movement. And I think there's a couple of ways to do that. Number one, I think, is is a successful way is introducing them to ways that libertarianism or just the concepts of liberty impact them on their daily lives. Um, so showing them, you know, the value of the marketplace, look at Uber or Lyft, um, look at Airbnb, for example. Um, but then also uh, talking about the, the value of of liberty in their political systems. So talking about um, you know, the, the, the benefits of having the, the right to the free speech and the right to defend yourself. Um, so I guess in, in your perspective, Steffi, and of course, I want you to, to kind of look back to your, your history from being on the left. What do you think libertarians or, or just people within the liberty movement can do better in trying to recruit people from the left? And then once we've actually recruited them to, to help educate them in the concepts of liberty and keep them in our movement to, to grow us even larger than we are right now? Mm -hmm. That's actually a really good question. And I've almost been completing a psychology experiment over the past many years. So when I first learned about liberty, obviously I was shut down to it myself. And my boyfriend was almost kind of like pushing it on me, like, here, listen to this, listen to this. And, you know, and I was scared. So that made me, you know, that made me close up. So I think the best way to do it 
is just to be kind to people and to show them that liberty can be fun and not boring. Because people have very short attention spans, I've noticed. Because when I make my YouTube videos, you see how much of your video people actually watch. And it's actually like a very small mm -hmm. little blip. So you got to catch the people in a very small time window or else they'll lose interest really fast. So I've learned that you can't just yell at people. You can't debate with them. I lost a lot of friends that way in college. Mm. I, I used to literally just attack people, you know, with my logic, my libertarian logic that I thought was so great. But it didn't work. It scared people away. It yep. made them not want to talk to me. So now... I actually do have Democrats that follow me on social media and they like what I post. And it's because I spread kindness and open communication. And overall, I try to not be super judgmental. I try to just listen and say, okay, you know, that's your point of view. This is how I feel and this is why. But I'm not going to push you, you know, to do the same or to feel the same. Forcing somebody is not going to do anything. Force is what libertarians are against anyway. So why should we force people to believe us? Well, amen. I mean, that's <laughs> that's something that I've been preaching for for years now, especially you know, utilizing the my platform here on my show. It is, you know, uh, the Jason Stapleton approach, not winning arguments, but winning converts. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what I, I, I was notorious, especially in 2015 and 2016 um, with arguing with people on Facebook. And, and then it kind of hit me that, you know, people aren't really converted with Facebook arguments. Like you're not changing anyone's mind. I mean, maybe no. there's, there's some people who are reading your post and they're like, Hmm, that's an interesting, interesting perspective. But like, then I was like, you know, I'm doing a podcast where I can expound upon ideas in a much more thoughtful and methodical way than, you know, whatever that the character limit is on Twitter or, you know, some, mm -hmm. some novel that you can write in the comic section on Facebook. So, you know, it, it's actually kind of, um, I don't know. It feels like a little self-promoting, but like whenever I'm on Facebook and I'll post something, um, and I'll get, you know, some of one of my friends from college or, or what have you, and they'll, they'll respond, you know, Oh, come on, Brian, this, and they'll go and they'll, they'll post the, you know, the, the 14 page comment. And I just simply respond with a link to my show, um, mm -hmm. where I had somebody <laughs> on my show who I discussed that with, and they say, I'm not going to spend 30 some odd minutes listening to a show. I'm like, then you don't care. Like you don't want to have a conversation. You don't want to hear another perspective. You just want to be right. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. like I spent too many years in the GOP, um, and as a conservative thinking that, you know, I was right just because I was right. And it's so important, I think, to not only listen to other people's ideas and ways of thinking, but to also try and figure out how they got to the conclusions they got to. Because if we're not going to you know, address the root of the problem, and that really is the the difference in how we're going to accomplish our, our goals. I mean, I, I think the reality is, Steffi, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that those on the right and the left, they see the same problems. They just have vastly different solutions. Is that, is that fair? Exactly. And I personally, my sister, she is liberal. She lives in California and we have debates all the time. And the point that we usually get to is, you know, we'll be talking about social welfare and she'll be like, but what about the people, you know, that, that have no food, you know, why, why can't we help them? You know, and I'm like, we can help them, yeah. but the government doesn't have to. So we get to that point where we both are concerned about the needy, you know, we're concerned about disabled people or sick people, you know, but I try to tell her, 
you don't always have to provide things for people through government. You can use charities and organizations to help with those things. I was going to say, it really goes back to the, the, the main point. It's like, you know, when we assume negative intentions from, uh-huh. from people, I think we find ourselves kind of losing the argument from the onset. Like there's, there's no conversation to be had if you instantly assume that your ideological, um, I don't say foe, but like your ideological opposite is is approaching things with negative connotations that they're approaching with some malevolence that they're ready to to you know use government to to force their their evil will on the rest of the masses i think it's honestly just of you know they see a problem and they feel that government is the best means to solve that problem because really what does it cost them it costs them a vote now obviously they don't think about the the extra uh costs being that of you know the the taxpayer um being that of the you know think of how many people we have in jail based on good intentions like oh we're gonna have a war on drugs because drugs are killing our society well congratulations you just killed you know how many minority neighborhoods by you know disproportionately putting african-american men into into jail for for marijuana crimes like that's Uh that's where we are as a society right and it's like, stop looking to government that uses force to solve these problems. There are so many better alternatives, like statistically and empirically uh, looked at means of accomplishing the same goals without the use of force. And it's done better. It's done more efficiently. Like we have to be more open and pushing those those ideas and those examples, I think. And, I, and just, I mean, this is my personal belief is that that will help you know, hopefully wake people up to the, the reality that government isn't the answer. And, and actually, in many cases, government is truly the problem. Right, right, exactly. So, Steffi, we're, <laughs> these shows have been sneaking up on me. They, they've been going so fast. So we're already getting the point of the show where I have to say goodbye. So I want to give Aww. you, I know, I know. I want to give you a platform, though. Let's 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 say, say you know, people want to go ahead and find this, this Steffi Cole. So I know you've been getting really involved over <laughs> at YouTube. So if you could, Steffi... Give me some links here that my folks can go ahead and find you not only on YouTube, but also on social media so they can stay up to date with all the happenings there with Steffi Cole. Sure, sure. So I'm at YouTube.com slash Steffi underscore Cole. I'm on Twitter at Steffi underscore Cole. I'm on Instagram at Steffi underscore Cole. I'm even at Goodreads, so you can follow along with all of the Liberty books I'm reading at Steffi underscore Cole. And now on Facebook... I cannot do Steffi underscore Cole, but I am real Steffi Cole on Facebook. And I, I must say, I've been really loving your uh, your Sunday videos you've been doing for TLR, which is the Libertarian Republic. Oh, yes. That's been so fun. And it's it's definitely more engaging than than I would have, you know, if I were to do it. Because I, I just, I hate reading. Honestly, I listen to audiobooks. I, I don't know why I just can't yeah. sit down and read a book. So to hear someone like you kind of do like a, a synopsis of a book, it's it's like, exciting for me because I'm like, hey, this book that I read, you know, 10 years ago and I just don't like reading it, I kind of like lost some of the information. It's nice, a little refresher and it's, hey, it's you and you get to hear you, you know, explain about it. So that's always nice. And I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people who are liberty, uh, liberty curious to say the least. Yeah. And that's, that's part of my conversion plan is just bringing people in, having fun, showing them that we can cook together, you know, so it's, it's a good time. Awesome. So, Steffi, one last thing. If you could leave some parting words of wisdom to my audience, what would it be in terms of bringing people from uh, the left towards the liberty movement? Sure. So I would just say, you know, be kind to others. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there because it is very scary. 
but just be open, honest, communicate, and together, I think we can make Liberty win. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. Trust the experts. We're all in this together. If it saves one life. Raise your hand if you heard any of those tiresome phrases over the past year and a half. I know my hand is currently raised. Millions of people across dozens of industries were labeled unessential and forced to lock down with livelihoods and futures crushed in an instant. And as government has continued to expand its power and leverage fear to turn neighbor against neighbor, a group of filmmakers have taken a stand and are determined to help set the record straight on the importance of following the actual science of the pandemic. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty from the Sound Mind Creative Group is a brand new docu-series highlighting the stories of those negatively impacted over the past year and a half by ineffective government policies enacted in the name of following the science. With noted experts like Nick Hudson from Panda, the Pandemic Data and Analytics Organization, healthcare policy advisors like Scott Atlas, and telling the stories of business owners, families, and just your average everyday person harmed by these government mandates. Follow the Science on Lockdowns and Liberty is giving us a chance to make sure the true stories of the pandemic are told. So please help us at The Brian Nichols Show in supporting the Sound Mind Creative Group. With noted figures in the Liberty Movement like Dr. Tom Woods donating thousands of their own dollars to this project, you know just how important this project is. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science to donate and catch their brand new trailer to the docuseries one more time. That's briannicholsshow.com forward slash follow the science.